0: From the Denver Convention Center in the Mile High City. It's Tips, today in Public Safety. Brought to you by Nina, the 911 Association, and APN, the Avaya Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, ENP Mark Fletcher.
1: Hey, it's Fletch with the Avaya Podcast Network. Welcome to Tips, Today in Public Safety. We're here live at Nina 2015 in the Denver Convention Center, and we're sitting down with Nina CEO, Brian Fonts, who's graced us with your presence this morning. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Fletch, I appreciate that.
2: Uh, it's good to have you. What a great conference, man. This was a really it's good one. It's been a very good conference. I'm thrilled with it.
1: Yeah, no, so I think attendance was really good. The vendor attendance was good. The content was, was really good. Um, even the Nina even the company store has expanded.
2: It has can you believe that? <laughs> now, it's done very well this year as well. so well when you least. when
1: when you got a multinational corporation like Nina with what two, three hundred employees, yeah, yeah. Really, it's easy to pull this off.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then when you have a organization that does have international members and chapters, and a staff of about 9 people and you can pull this off it's even more <laughs> amazing. You know a lot of people so, don't
1: know that, that that Nina's a staff of 9 and yeah. very dedicated people and and what you guys pull off with the the talent that you have is just incredible. I mean it's I, I got to tell you
2: a funny story Fletch. Nina has been very active in the Washington policy area so we're cited often in the Inside Washington Trade Press. Right. So I was having uh, get together with a friend of mine at the Department of Commerce after work and we were just going across the street and um, you know she was talking and she says you know I've never asked you how many people work at Nina and I says well you know before I answer how many people do you think work at Nina and she thought for a second she says I, I'm guessing probably somewhere between 50 and 60 Right. and I says Phenomenal! You give me fifty or sixty people, we'll conquer the world. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Can you imagine? So it was just amazing.
1: Well, no, and and the it's really the people that you have, though, right? I mean, everybody there. um, I I don't even want to start naming people because I'll forget them all. But uh, you know, the the people that you've got doing stuff and that are organizing everything—it's just—it's incredible talent that's that's there
2: absolutely I could not these are people I would want as my friends my inspiration if they were not my work colleagues sure and to have them as work colleagues uh, is just one of the most enjoyable things anyone can have I mean I I have such a a commitment to these people these people have a commitment to the organization and to 911 writ large and I'm just in awe of all of them. Very how long, fortunate. How long
1: have you been at Nina, Brian?
2: I just celebrated my eighth year Okay, this so, June, this conference. It was a wow. conference eight years ago.
1: And and I, I think, I mean, being a member, um, I think you've made a big Actually, turnaround. Actually,
2: seven years, not eight.
1: Oh, okay, seven. Well, it just feels a, like eight. <laughs> I think you've made a big
2: turnaround in the organization. I hope so. And, you know, we are... Definitely financially stable. Our membership has grown substantially. Just this last year alone, our membership's grown probably 20%, 25%. Uh, as you've seen at this conference, our registrations are very, very good. The vendor support for the conference has been phenomenal, uh, not only in the exhibit hall, but sponsorship. We have ninety over 90 sessions uh, during the course of this conference. And so it's it's very exciting to see the growth. we become... Uh, really, the go-to organization for policymakers in Washington, D.C., as well as state levels. Um, Trey and our office have testified before various state legislatures and certainly in Congress. Uh, We're also involved in NARIC activities, the National Association of Regulatory Utility Commissioners. Mm -hmm. So we really are trying hard to make more and more people aware of 911 issues.
1: Yeah, no, and I think you're doing a fantastic job. I was talking with a few people the other day, and we were just having a discussion, and I think that <clears throat> what we came to is that any measurable metric that you could possibly think of was on an upward trend as it, as it comes to Nina. there's I don't think there's one thing that you could point out that was on a downward trend
2: and knock on wood. <laughs> you know, so <clears throat> we're we're very pleased with with the progress that we have been making over the last 7 years. And again, you know, this would not be possible without Nina members and their appreciation of what it is that we can do for them. In other words, the value of membership, the incredible team that we have at Nina that nine people that do the work of 50 or 60 and um, and it's just amazing, uh, the output from all of that.
1: One thing that I noticed about you every single year at every single conference, whenever I see you, you're constantly walking around and you're asking people the same question. How is the conference for you? How's
2: everything going? What What are you hearing back? Absolutely amazing positive things. I was walking across the street going back to the hotel yesterday and I just looked behind me. There was a woman with a Nina conference badge on. And you, you asked the question not knowing what the answer is going to be. <laughs> so I'm always kind of hoping I'll get some input constructive as well as just thank you. And I asked her, I said, how's the conference going for you? And she said, well, I really, really appreciated the bingo in the exhibit hall. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, that wasn't the response I was expecting. <laughs> and so uh, it provoked me. I said, really? Why did you single that out? And she said, I was looking for... A system, in essence, to provide some backup for what they're doing. And the bingo card forced me to go to an exhibitor, she said, I would not have gone to ordinarily. And I found what I needed. Sure. And I said, perfect. That's, the, That's purpose the purpose of it, of it. yeah. That's right. the purpose of it. And so, and likewise, <clears throat> I really do want to hear what people think of the conference. and In the opening sessions of the conference, I like to go out in the audience and thank people for being here and welcome them here and engage in conversations with them. And through that, I learn a lot about how they perceive the conference, ideas for improving things, if the room's too hot, too cold, what could be more effective at the next conference, et cetera. And it's incredibly valuable.
1: You do an incredible job at managing Everything and, and not just blowing smoke. I mean, you know, you do a great job. You care about the conference. Um, you're knowledgeable about the industry. You, you certainly have spent, you certainly paid your dues into the industry um, with the positions that you have held in the past. And um, I think that that whole package, bringing that to Nina is what really, I'm not going to say saved this. I don't think we we're on a downward trend, but really brought
2: it to what it was today. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that that and I, I'm hearing that as a compliment so thank you um, all of us in our life have an opportunity to make decisions as to whether or not you want to do something that is positive or negative negative. and as you know my professional career prior to Nina and I will admit <laughs> it was more amazing than I could have ever imagined <laughs> uh, I mean I, I really truly have been fortunate and I remember going to my former employer when I says, I'm leaving the, the company and this is what I'm going to do. And that individual t- looked at me and just said, are you serious? Are you crazy? Yeah, are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. And I said, no, this is something I want to do. And I think that I can hopefully in my lifetime do something that contributes positively And it gives me the experience of running a small business, although it's a nonprofit. It gives me the opportunity to try to improve something that every American can benefit from. And I don't say this in terms of me, I, is what I can do with everyone else to move that needle in a direction that benefits Consumers who find themselves in a horrible situation of having to dial nine one one.
1: Yeah, you, you've, so got a, you've got a tough job. I mean, you're a mother, you're a father, you're a grandparent. <laughs> you know, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to coddle this industry and all the people in it. And you know, from not just, and I think what makes your position really unique is not only do you need good business sense, so you've got a you've got a fiduciary responsibility to Absolutely. make Nina. It's a nonprofit, but you still, you can't be a, a losing, you know, factor, right? You've, right. You've got to sustain yourself. So there's a business model you've got to establish. Um, you've got to watch people and credibility. Um, you've got a regulatory responsibility because people look towards you. Well, what should the law be? Yeah. What What should policy yeah. be? You know, when 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 the FCC wants you know, a task force on PSAP optimization architectures. Who do they call? You know, yeah. There's a bunch of people out there and Nina's one of those people.
2: Yeah, and, and that's where my prior experience comes into play here. In part of my professional life uh, outside of Nina has been to negotiate agreements internationally even, as well as nationally. And, um, and my friends at the FCC oftentimes will call me to try to broker uh, an agreement among parties that would probably not come to an agreement, and uh, and I'm honored to be able to try to do that. I don't think I have any special skills <laughs> or anything else. Perhaps maybe patience. But um, well, you have
1: patience. It's, yeah, you're you're. You're a very calm person, you don't, you're very rational, you don't get overly excited. I've seen you in the middle of very heated conversations and it's like, you're just as calm as can be. And, 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 yeah. I, and I really, it's a, it's a trait I admire in you really.
2: <laughs> some, of my, some of my staff have, have commented on that. It's just, what ruffles you? <laughs> what gets you upset? And uh, you, know, you live long enough you realize there are, there are issues and there are issues and save those ruffling feathers for those issues that are critical to whatever the situation is otherwise i oftentimes look at those ruffling the feathers or being upset as clouding your thinking uh, burning your energy um, wasted in many respects so i just make a choice and the choice is to remain calm listen to all sides of an issue and try to you know rationally put the pieces together so in my mind's eye it would make sense or would work and um and that's i hope i'm providing that role model for my staff i you know i look at my role in addition to being you know proverbially in air quotes the boss but i look at myself as as more importantly than the boss as a mentor to these folks there our staff is younger than i am <laughs> as are most people but uh you know i just want to set the example and, and role models for them uh, because i think they're going to be outstanding professionals their whole life and as they can learn from others and the idea of, of not getting terribly upset uh, I think as a vantage point and the irony of all of this is I'm half Latin I am half Portuguese (laughs) and you know if you're ever in my Portuguese family gatherings calmness and quietness is not necessarily the norm (laughs) It's very expressive. I've got Sicilian uh, on the other okay. side of my family. So you, I know what you're you talking know about. Exactly what I'm I know what about. you're talking about. Everything is an event. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's a, you have a captured forum <laughs> called family.
1: Yeah, you unbelievable. Know?
2: So what's next for Nina? Where 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 are we mm-hmm. going next? Sure, I think we're always in the in a vantage point of what's the next hill. Uh, At this conference, I had an opportunity to discuss with some of our European colleagues, where will we be five years, 10 years down the road? What will 911 or 112 or 999 look like? And that was an exciting, I spent over an hour just with this. And historically, 911 has always been the individual to call, you know, an individual work to call 911, now an individual can text in some locations to 911, 10 years down the road, your house may be calling 911 Sure. because of the number of sensors that'll be in your home. Your body may be calling 911 because it can detect something before you rationally, mentally detect something going on, whether it's uh, you know, a hypoglycemic, hyperglycemic condition, or uh, palpitations or even blood flow. Or a combination. Any combination. Right,
1: where indi- individually they may not mean anything, but together they mean a lot.
2: Absolutely. Right? And so uh, I think as, as we look to the future, we gotta look at how 911 is gonna work. We talked about drones in this session. Yeah, yeah, that, no, they just started a whole work group on drones, yeah. it was amazing. That's right, and the idea that just as you would dispatch a police or fire, you may also be in the business of working with folks who will be dispatching drones to hover over crash scenes or to hover over fire scenes to help, you know, determine what responses are needed.
1: They've even got them delivering AEDs. Uh, exactly.
2: Right? So, exactly.
1: Um, I, You know, still not, not in not in production, right? It's still mm-hmm. a little...
2: But you got to think <laughs> yeah. down the road. Exactly. You can't, you can't be, you know, one <laughs> am I? favorite sayings is always what's the next hill. And so I says Nina has and its members have worked hard to develop next generation 911 standards and that's a work in progress still as we go through Rev two, Rev three and so forth. And really it always
1: will it always it will, will be. Always be.
2: It. But you need now to look beyond that in terms of next generation nine one one interfacing with sensors in homes, interfacing with wearable sensors or implanted sensors in the body uh all of this. Mm-hmm. And so it's always that next hill that you have to to look toward. And some people may think I'm crazy raising these issues. And in some situations I may be. In other situations I may be right on point. And so it's just kind of Yeah a, but I think you
1: got I think you need a little craziness. Absolutely. Right? So just like you've need got the vision. ultra conservative, you need the ultra you know, unrealistic thinker. And somewhere in the middle will reality form itself?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I don't want to go into the political realm, but I think you're right in, in terms of there's a variety of different perspectives. Some will, you know, when I talk about drones in use at, uh, in public safety 911 and dispatching drones to, in base in, in the sense of helping mm-hmm. the field responders respond to the emergency, there'll be some people who look at me like, are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. But... I may be, but I may be right, (laughs) so it's that type of fun part of forward think. Well, again, it's, it's open thinking, and it's when
1: you get a large group of people in a room and you start talking about these ideas and say, okay, this is a little crazy, and there are operational challenges up, down, and sideways, but if we wanted to do this, let's use all of our collective smarts and figure out... Gee, if we wanted to do this, how could we do it? And out of that, you will see new ideas blossom Absolutely. that are related and even non-related.
2: Absolutely. And it will involve a variety of people. You represent Avaya. I represent Nina. There will be other companies that you and I can't even think of right yep. now in ten years who'll be in the or or directly involved or tangentially involved in nine one one that should be part of the dialogue and discussion because no one company can do it alone. Yep. No one PSAP can do it alone. We're all in this together. And it's very exciting to bring these parties together to have these types of discussions about how we're going to advance, really what I consider an amazing service to the public and at an amazing time when they need emergency help.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you saw it up on the floor, but there's a company from Italy that's over here. Yes. Beta80, they took a 50 inch flat screen TV, laid it down on a table, made it touch sensitive, and. Five people can work on that simultaneously, Yes. like you're working on a big iPad, Yes. sliding incidents around between each other, you know exactly. what, it's a, it's a little shaky, it's not perfect, But it's, it's the Rev 2, I thinking. saw the Rev 1 of that in Europe, yeah. and the Rev 2 is a hundred times better yeah. in just a few months, yeah. in two years, I can't even imagine what that's going to be.
2: But could you imagine what that will do, you know, in an earlier meeting, you know, we the history of 911 has always been the local 911 center, either buried in the police department or buried in a fire department. And if somebody got injured, oh, we'll put them at the 911 desk yep. or something like that. In today's world it couldn't be further from the truth sure most of the major cities have 911 and i would call them emergency communication centers that go beyond just 911 but to coordinate emergency communications for large populations sure you look at san francisco chicago new york fairfax. washington dc fairfax yep and so as these emergency communication centers emerge There's the opportunity, particularly in the context of next generation 911, to have what I call expert teams looking at the information in real time. Sure. You know, if somebody says, Do you really think the 911 telecommunicator is going to? look at all of these videos coming in. And I says, well, first off, I'm not convinced there's gonna be all these videos. And secondly, I don't even think the 911 telecommunicator would need to see a video. They may be able to want to push a button to pull it up, but it may be just simply an icon. But what can be done with that, that pressing a video button and sending it over to an expert video team, that video team may pull things out of that video that the average person would never know. And that may be able to help the field responders responding to that emergency because they had that video, they had that expert team that can give a quick analysis of what they saw in that video and then pass it along to all of those people responding to it I That's
1: came up with, I, I came up with a concept a couple of years ago and uh, of, of teamed dispatchers where you've actually got two people working an incident and one person is working the incident and the mm-hmm. other one is almost in the supervisory
2: overview looking managing at the, the information managing
1: the information
2: the pushing and pulling of the data that come in you got it yeah.
1: And, and I think,
2: and again, it's like a pilot and a co-pilot, <laughs> yeah, right? That's, that's so true. And, you know, it may be done as a tandem at a console, or it may be done as a kind of master desk, if you would, at a center, that can then manage information flow because there may be several calls to the same incident, each providing different bits of data. And so it, it really is intriguing. I love the concept because it goes to the whole notion of the value of rich 911 information and the ability to use that information by the experts to better serve the public.
1: I mean, I could see a center with you know, 40 or 50 call takers, a large center, like a Fairfax or mm-hmm. something. You've got a, a center bridge in the middle like Steve already has set up there, but you've got people that are in that middle that are watching everything and dynamically saying, okay, I'm grabbing these five people because they're working on a common incident, bringing them into a collaborative workspace that I'm gonna o- supervise. Yeah. Yeah. So dynamic it's dynamic team formation yeah. and dynamic collaborative conferencing. It really brings the technology that's there today. I mean all this
2: none of the technology isn't needs to be invented. It right. just needs to be deployed. Well that's true and, and there also needs to be the training associated with using that technology. Well yeah and establishing what the policies. Right. You
1: know, Lisa Henderson um, is a good friend of mine. She's been through the the, the industry. Um, she's over at TriTech now. We always said the operational side is the biggest challenge with next gen. Yeah. How do I deal with the operational side of this?
2: And oftentimes it's because of a human factor. Yeah, it it's is. as simple as that. Yeah. You know Fletcher I just, I just wanted to mention something to you that, that has been near and dear to the heart of Nina for the last three years, and we've actually seen it become a reality. About three years ago, there's a company out in California, Public Safety Networks, that exposed me to data analytics mm-hmm. and looking at 911 in the aggregate yep. and in near real time. And since then, uh, California has hired another company called ECATS that has uh, done similar types of information. And I look at that because, first and foremost, it's 911 in the aggregate. It's not each individual call in and of itself. It's the collection of 911 calls that can tell us a great deal of information. So I'm gonna fast forward through that two to three year time period. We got an agreement with the state of California, the Emergency Management Agency, all of the lawyers on their side, and all of the lawyers on the Department of Homeland Security side, and now there is a dashboard at the, uh, the NOC, the center of DHS uh, located in Arlington, that has all of the California 911 calls coming in in near real time, about a five or six second delay. So what does that say to the folks at DHS and what the folks in California? Is that if all of a sudden a 911 center goes from green to red in a matter of seconds, and then you see the cascading effect of adjacent 911 centers going from green to red, and you can get that that cascade effect measured in matters of seconds. You may not know what the emergency is, but you know there is one. I'm sure you do. And then yep. you could do the follow-up. There's been a number of folks that have gone through the DHS center looking at that dashboard and thinking, how phenomenal. <laughs> they can detect what intersections generate the most 911 calls by time of day, day of week, season of the year, likewise for railroad crossings. And you may be able to take proactive actions then based on the aggregate of 911 calls to eliminate those situations that tend to generate 911 calls because we designed a road incorrectly or the railroad crossing isn't marked appropriately. So it provides incredible, valuable resources beyond just that individual calling for emergency help. The the example that they
1: showed me that I thought was the most interesting was the 911 call patterns that came in that could almost be predictive of an earthquake. Yes, that's right. It was amazing to watch that form on the map. Yep. It's like you were watching in real time
2: What was going on? And in fact, you were from a from a nine one one call perspective. It was so telling. That's right. This company, Public Safety Network, and this is what they gave me a real life or a demo that just set off all sorts of bells and whistles in in my head. They did the San Bruno uh, gas pipe explosion Mm -hmm. in San Bruno, California, and they just tracked the nine one one calls coming in. So they could see in matters of seconds that there is a huge problem because again the cascading green to red sure. effect on nine one one centers. So that would have been an opportunity to use that data in a matter of seconds to know there's a problem. Interestingly as well that as the sun set and the fire was still glowing, it received another Peak of nine one one calls a surge because people saw the, the sky, slip yep. up. yeah, 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 and they're going, oh, it's just another fire, it's just another explosion, and I'm calling nine one one, and so looking at these data uh, that can be collected and presented in the aggregate uh, provides valuable information. Yep. so I was very excited about that project.
1: Yeah, no, and it's, uh, you know, we need to see that on a national level, because I think if this industry is missing one thing, um, and we step away from all the technology and all the other things, if we look at one of the core things that's missing, it's the statistical information. Absolutely. Nobody, nobody can tell you how many 911 calls there were in a year.
2: Right. Although that information is collected... Yeah. Oftentimes, the PSAP label may percolate to the 911 authority level. It's typically not aggregated beyond that, and that's a huge loss of information.
1: I mean, how, how, much, how much longer are we going to say there are 240 million 911 calls a year? I mean, we've been saying that for 10
2: years. Yeah, let's say 250 million now.
1: <laughs> I say between 250 and 300
2: million. And I don't think you're far off the mark, but yeah. the sad thing is we don't know the details.
1: No, that's it. It, We've got to get the details, we've got to collect it, we've got to aggregate it together, and from there you're going to get these incredible dashboards.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And when there are those incredible dashboards, you'll have government agencies and others look at 911 in a completely different light, and they're going to want to make sure 911 exists. They're going to make sure, hopefully, that funding is there for 911. Well, yeah, here's my you know?
1: problem, here's the statistical data that shows that the problem is there. Yeah.
2: Give me some funding yeah. to go fix right. it, right? And it could be done. Very eff- effectively and efficiently. Yeah. So, Brian, I know you've got a run. You've got a mil- billion
1: people trying to catch you here. No, I always no appreciate you uh, taking time to sit down and chat with us. I find our conversations incredibly interesting.
2: I appreciate, and I appreciate your podcast. I, I compliment you and your work in MLTS and getting. That word out there about being able to directly dial 911 from hotels or office complexes or even government buildings. <laughs> and, you know, that, that echoing of the need for this, we are seeing results.
1: It took so. a long time, but I'll tell you, once we started getting traction, it's interesting to watch the political domino effect now. Yeah. Because every state that we get on board, it's a little bit better. And it's a little bit easier, and it it passes. I mean, in a matter of months. And to me, watching the legislative, how to make sausage for the past five years—that's enlightening. Yes, to to see (laughs) things go
2: through in a matter of weeks and months is is just incredible. Yeah. So, congratulations. You have been a uh, an advocate, and I know uh, Commissioner Pai at the FCC has been an advocate, and. You know, it's a classic example of how to use a bully pulpit as a political official or government official. And it's an opportunity where you have a podcast or others who have the opportunity to speak to many can use that to help create awareness and ultimately change. So hats off. And again, you know, Trey Fogarty,
1: you know, sat down and Trey. rewrote the the model yeah. legislation, yeah. and and
2: made it what it needed to be. Yeah, Trey and, is outstanding. Uh, well, so. just just the one fact of, that one that, of that our goes through. Members.
1: Yeah, no. Again, you, you can't you can't buy people like that. You got to keep those kind of people for sure. Tell me about <laughs> it, Brian. Thanks for sitting down with us. Have a great end of the show. Well, uh
2: Indianapolis next year. I'm excited. All right. We've we just just if. Pre-floor sales are any indicators of what Indianapolis is gonna look like. We have exceeded by far any pre-conference floor sale for the next conference here in Denver. So next year in Indianapolis, I am confident will be an outstanding show. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Fletch. Thank you for this time.
0: The preceding podcast has been brought to you by the Avaya Podcast Network. Executive producer, Jean Torjean, a.k.a. JT. Our program and creative director is Fletch. And the APN legal correspondent is attorney Martha Byer. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at avaya underscore APN. And visit avaya.com slash APN on the web, where you can download all of our content. For the Avaya Podcast Network, this is Spider Harrison, the official voice dude of APN. Proceeding content is copyrighted by the Avaya Podcast Network. Broadcast or retransmission is permitted with attribution. Your actual mileage may vary. Batteries are not included. I'm a professional announcer on a closed course. Do not try this at home.